this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, this is a patron-selected poll episode. The patrons get to vote every month. Nine albums thrown into a hopper, spun around, twisted and turned, flipped upside down. Spits out, uh, we get we get these from our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. People su- suggest an album. Maybe they throw a comment in there. Maybe they don't. Depends on how shy they are. And uh, we put them in a poll. Well, you do. You do the work on that. I just sit back and drink my margaritas. Did, uh, did you used to watch the lottery as a kid? Mm-hmm. On TV? Oh, yeah. Still do. Love it. It's my favorite Is show. It- is this still on TV? They still do in Ohio. They still do like um, the drawing f- for like something with, with the machine with the fancy ping pong balls. Yes, they still do that on TV. I think they do. It's like at seven thirty on Saturday. <laughs> I would be oh, so, well. They might, maybe they've moved it to just online, but there's still there's still some component that's live. I want to say they used to do it. Uh, is it once, once or twice? I think a it's week, Wednesday or? and Saturday. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of because there's, because there's also those second chance uh, um, where you you didn't win, but you you put your you send it in or something like that, and your number can get picked, and then you get a second chance at the lottery, uh, oh like drawing. God. Yeah, it's it's uh that was uh must see TV. Uh huh. Get around. Every, you get your lottery tickets. Watch the lottery. Let's watch them pick the numbers. <laughs> I'm the doing phone like, books are here. I I need to upgrade the hopper, and we need to have like an, a live event. There you with go some, with some kind of a elaborate be- machine that like you know you can tumble them or you see them like flying around, and I reach in and like grab them. You should be in in the metaverse, and the band oh, and all yeah. of these album covers are flying around, and you grab them and throw them <laughs> onto the the grid. There has to be an element of surprise, though. Right, right. It's the it's the ooh. I didn't I didn't think we were gonna see an eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought for sure that was gonna be a four, but we got an eight. Wow, didn't expect that. Let's talk to Zuck about getting this onto the metaverse. And uh, I think oh, we got a, I think we got a thing here. What we have here actually, Jay, is nine albums, and one of them won. And it wasn't really close. I was surprised. Maybe it was close at some point, but. There was a lot of people talking about records, a lot of people talking about albums, talking about bands, and not a lot of them talking about the winner as usual. For some reason, the winner always gets the least amount of comments, but the most amount of votes. Uh, I don't know how that works. Here were the picks. So here were the picks, Jay, for October of 2021. Richard Waterman suggested Under the Wishing Tree by Charlie Sexton. Darren Lehman suggested Amorica by 
the Black Crows. Eric I'm Peters. shocked that one didn't win. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. It didn't even come in second. Yep. Uh, Eric P- Peterson suggested Viva Zapata by Seven Year Bitch. Willie Dillon suggested What Fun Life Was by Bedhead. Kyle Bittner, Splendor Solace by The Tea Party. Matt suggested Blue Hour Blue Hour by Smack Melon. Alex suggested the self-titled record by the Pulsars. Neil Foltz suggested Today's Active Lifestyles by Polvo. And David Haverland suggested The Pace is Glacial by Seam. By a significant margin, uh, Polvo, Today's Active Lifestyles, won it. Was shocked. Yeah, uh, I kind of get it. But if you'd asked me going in, I would have said either Pulsars or Black Crows. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the Tea Party with our strong uh, Canadian and, contingent. And Tea Party came in second, just to, yeah. you know, four votes behind. Uh, Pulsars were were third. Black Crows were fourth. And then it's a big drop off to Seam and... Uh, seven year bitch. Everybody got votes this time, but it was pretty spread out amongst the the bottom half of the picks. So congratulations to Neil Foltz, who suggested Polvo. And uh, Jay, were you familiar with Polvo? Yeah, I remember. What was it 2013 or nine? They put a record out. It wasn't it was kind of a. You know, uh, 2009 was in Prism. Yeah. yeah. They made a little bit of a blip of like, hey, these guys were a band in the 90s and they put out a record mm-hmm. prior to like, I think a lot of the 90s bands reuniting. <laughs> now it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I think at the time it was like a bit of a, you know, a little buzz around it. And I think I listened to that record when it came out. Yep. I remember when that came out as well. I enjoyed it. I, I actually have the, uh, I think that got me into the bands a little bit because I have the MP3s for everything they've put out up to that record. They did put out a record following that in 2013, Siberia. Before we get it, let's just do a little quick history of the band. History of the band. So they formed in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Original lineup uh, in 1990 was Ash Bowie, uh, not related to David Bowie. Uh, and David Brylowski on vocals and guitar. They both sing and they both play guitar. Steve Popson on bass and drummer Eddie Watkins. Uh, Bowie and Brylowski met in a Spanish class, and the word polvo actually means dust in Spanish. It also means octopus in Portuguese. So Dusty Octopus is the <laughs> interpretation of that name. Um, they released a, a seven inch on their own in 1991. And then a EP came out later that year uh, on a small indie label. And then they ended up getting picked up by Merge for a couple of EPs and some seven inches. And uh, the first record 
Core Crane Secret came out in 1992 on Merge. That was followed by the album we're going to talk about, Today's Active Lifestyles. That came out on, in 1993. Then they moved to Touch and Go Records for 1996 double album, single CD, Exploded Drawing, and 1997's Shapes. Then there was the hiatus for 12 years. Uh, they came back in 2009 to release in prism on merge and in 2013 siberia also on merge now when they got back together i believe that watkins was no longer playing drums and they brought in brian quast quast uh to play drums on that record i think um perhaps and uh they pretty much i mean it's been a pretty consistent lineup is basically what i'm saying um let's get into the comments over at patreon we got some comments who talked about polvo not a lot kyle bittner uh, he said he was definitely going with the tea party so he didn't go with polvo uh, Justin Wexler said somehow missed the Paul stars entirely in the nineties, despite being from Chicago. So he obviously went with the, uh, the, with the, the Paul stars. He said they're, they're getting the vinyl reissue treatment. So if, if you're a fan of the Paul stars and, uh, you've been waiting for that, there you go. I'm pretty sure that had been, uh, nominated prior. So mm -hmm. it's like a record eventually we got to get to. John Seaman went with the Black Crows. James Stelter went with Bedhead. Darren Lehman, he said, tough pick between the Crows and the Tea Party. Uh, anybody? Anybody vote for Polvo here? Anybody talking about Polvo? Sean Brown, easiest poll in a while. Charlie Sexton all day long. Nope. <laughs> Willie Dillon, it's Bedhead. <laughs> tea Party and Seam for me. Nope. Oof. Steve Mrzinski, uh, he went to bat. He's he went with the with the pulsars. Steve um also seven year bitch. Aaron MC, I'm going with the Tea Party. Ryan Allen, I initially I wanted to vote for Seam as they are having a tiny moment right now with some reissues coming out of their early material, and I've been rediscovering them. So great! It would have been interesting to dive deeper into the pulsars or Bedhead. Records, two bands I don't spend much time, I didn't spend much time with back in the 90s. But ultimately, I have to go with Polvo. Thank you, Ryan Allen, for speaking. Finally. Out. Who have also been getting the reissue treatment lately, courtesy of Merge. Out of all the bands listed here, I feel like Polvo is the only one that seemed dead set on deconstructing and rebuilding the idea of a rock song in a completely unique way. There isn't another band that sounds quite like them, aside from maybe sonic youth and their ability to be sinister and confusing while simultaneously melodic sometimes makes them great fodder for the dmo team to deconstruct as well more people need to know about the sheer power of the polv <laughs> uh richard waterman said i will take the tea party over uh, but Amer america is the crow's best album is it mm, that's a debate to have yeah it's decisive all right it's uh not it's up in the it air. Is, 
Yeah, debatable. I am a fan of that record, but I have not listened to it. In Over Southern Musical Harmony Companion? It's those two for me. Gotcha. Back and forth. Uh, it kind of goes downhill after that. Right. Uh, Ian McIver going with the Tea Party. Mm. Uh, Kyle Butner, while I'm disappointed the Tea Party lost, Polvo proved to be an excellent opponent in a band I never listened to before. Excellent opponent. Come on, guys. This isn't uh, this isn't war here. It's all music. It's all love. When a with a blend of intricate math rock rhythms and scorching noise, they seem to be a bit ahead of their time. Looking forward to checking out more of them. Darren Lehman, the Polvo album, while interesting, did not resonate with me. It would take a lot of warming up for me to want to listen to an album like that on the reg. I gravitate more so to melody hooks or strong vocals. Okay, well, we'll get into that right now. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about today's Active Lifestyles by Polvo. It has a uh, this interesting back and forth for me as I listen to it where I'm trying to... There's definitely the deconstruction element. And I'm trying to really understand, is this a band that is like incredibly sophisticated um, or is it a band that is, a, I mean, I want to say naive in the best sense, like they're just picked up instruments, they start playing together and this is just a sound they start making uh, versus the former, which would be more like, you know, they've been playing for a while and, you know, super smart, super capable, uh, and are now entering this phase of like, you know, okay, let's, let's start breaking this down and making it weird. And I can't quite figure, you know, as I listen to the record, it has that energy, like that innocence to it, you know, where it's just, it doesn't sound pretentious or like overly precious, you know, it still has this rawness to it, um, this looseness, and that just makes it feel authentic. But then they're doing some things on here that I just, I can't figure out how they work. You know, uh, the guitar, guitars are doing these bends and the bass is doing a bend and like none of them are in the same key, but yet it kind of makes a chord. <laughs> and you're like, how, why does that like, but it works. Um, and so when I, when I hear that, I'm like, well, you kind of got to know what you're doing to pull that off. Cause otherwise it just sounds like a mess, but it doesn't to me. Like I can hear this thread through all of it, usually because of the vocal. And I think one of the guitars seem to be more in lock with each other, but then the other guitar and the bass, um, are just creating this dissonance and unexpected layers, uh, chords, just sounds that I think make it, when it works really well, you know, pretty epic. Uh, I like the material that's uh, more dynamic, more percussive, you know, the riffs that are sharper. Um, they do a lot of like playing with time, dragging things down spontaneously. 
they do a lot with um, kind of big crescendos. Uh, they put a lot of space in, which I love, you know, um, and usually in that space, it'll, it'll be, you know, a minute, a, a breath or into word, like some focus on one of the guitars, you know, playing like a chiming high notes. Um, but even in those moments when they do that, like other bands, when they do it, they'll play a guitar part, like that's kind of weird and unexpected. Um, like they use it in this band, I think they're using tremolos or they're bending a lot. And, uh, but then they'll do it three times in a row. And you're like, okay, well, that's like weird sound that now you've replicated three times in a row. So like, that's a thing uh, that was on purpose and you can replicate and it is supposed to sound exactly that way. So it's just a really interesting mix of, I think really smart, sophisticated approach to deconstructing rock music, like Ryan said, but there's still like this innocence to it that I like quite a bit. It, it still has that, you know, they're just in the garage working this stuff out kind of vibe or a small club, seeing them live kind of feel. But it's just walking that line, you know, where it has that, but it doesn't sound like a total train wreck mess. Um, and they're, they're always like right on that edge of like, this could go either way at any time. Um, and I think, you know, what makes the record fun is it's just so on it. Like, it's so hard to predict what they're going to do. Uh, it, it, you just don't know, you know, a song will start and you'll go through three or four movements and changes fairly quickly. Like it doesn't, they don't belabor any of these. They're all what, for the most part, three, four, two minute songs. There's one seven minute song, but two, I guess, but you just, you have no idea what to expect, you know? And, and suddenly like a really cool riff will come out and like, wow, that is a really interesting melody or that is a really, I would not have thought to play that, <laughs> uh, you know? Uh, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a surprise one after another uh, when you listen to this record, I don't mind the vocals. Um, I actually kind of like them. They're, I think understated they fit the music pretty well it's with some bands like this that are a little bit more on the art art rock side um you know the vocals can become they're not only weak but then they just become such a focus that it's hard to get past them and to me this vocally you know they play to their strengths they do a lot of doubling which helps um it's very locked up with usually one of the guitars or the bass um so I, I don't mind the vocals. I think it adds a nice melody, a melodic element to it. It helps, I think, um, tie some of these songs together, like in terms of what the theme is melodically. So I don't have a problem with the vocal. I mean, for this kind of band, this is, the, you know, what I would hope for. You know, I, I don't expect the vocal to be like our plant. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with the vocal in this case will troll behind me um so yeah it's just a lot of surprises it's just uh it's a little bit of a acrobatics too i think in terms of the dynamics and just all the places this this record goes um so 
it's a pretty fun listen. I, I definitely think it sounds better on speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to it with like in-ear headphones and it sounded kind of small and not great. But when you play it through speakers, um, you know, loud, it sounds way better. So definitely I would recommend this is a, this is a loudspeaker listen. Uh, you just kind of, and you just got to, got to go for it, put on your seatbelt and get ready because it, it gets a little wacky. What'd you think? Well, I agree with you. I think the most exciting part about this record is how I listened to it over and over again. And I will be damned. I could never figure out what was going to happen next. I listened to it 10 times and I felt like I was hearing it the first time each time because I was like, I don't remember what happens now. Hmm. So like something crazy would happen. I'd be like, oh, I remember that, but I don't know what song it happened in. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many interesting, weird, like you said, like, it sounds like all the instruments are out of tune with each other. And then all of a sudden they snap into something that's really interesting. And it might only happen for, you know, one measure. Um, There are riffs that happen and they don't come back. Or if they do, they come back in a, in a completely different way. And there's massive time and tempo shifts all over the place. Um, I agree with you on the headphone versus um, speaker listen. I found it much more enjoyable to listen to it bl- just blasting loud. Because that's where I think, you know, obviously this is a guitar-focused record, but I think that's where the rhythm section is helped the most. Because when you listen to it on, I felt like my my headphones didn't get the thump out of the kick yeah. drum yeah. that needed to be there. Uh, the guitars are obviously dominating but when you when you get the full band it gives you that experience of like seeing a band in a small club and you're just sort of mesmerized by this craziness that's happening and like i said i didn't i couldn't keep track from you know something was starting to go okay i remember the vibe of this and i remember that this had like a chill vibe as opposed to a crazy freak out vibe but I, I was never sure what exactly was happening next. And it was almost impossible to sort of break down. I mean, there were parts that repeated, but it was it was really hard to figure out, like, was well, this meant to be the chorus or you just kind of had to let it wash over you? Uh, there was just there was it, it's not in any traditional sense. A guitar rock record that you're going to think of with regards to guitar gods i mean this this is like the inverse of like a steve vai record or you know what i mean this is like the 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 upside down stranger things version of of a guitar god record because there is i mean listening to this you go oh wow these guys digested sonic youth these guys digested 
a lot of really cool and interesting bands and spit them out in this unique way. And I'm with you. I don't know if it's technical ability or or just really good ears on some really young, naive players. Because it is really hard to make purposeful mistakes that sound okay. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's the, the, the notes bend and you're like, Oh, where is that going? <laughs> you're like, Oh, and like, oh well, that kind of worked out in the hands of some not good players. It just yeah. sounds like terrible. Yeah. yeah. But when you know how to really control your instrument, I think that's the thing. I read and I read that they were accused of like purposely playing out of tune in order to like <laughs> I don't I remember where it was. I was just I was reading a review or an article somewhere. Uh I'm trying to find what it was, but they got like criticism in some respects because they were so like people were like, well, these guys are clearly like super technical musicians that are just dumbing it down for indie rock. Hmm. And, and I don't think that's what I mean. These are college yeah. students, you know, sort of figuring it out. And I would imagine, you know, early '90s Chapel Hill. It's a pretty fertile scene because, like, not only are you getting those bands that are just starting up. I mean, you had like at, at that point you had like Let's Active and and Super Chunk is just getting going and some other bands, but like, that's part of the circuit that like all the indie bands are hitting. Mm. So Husker Du is going through there and the meat puppets and Sonic youth and REM. And you're getting to see like all of these bands. What's the cat's cradle in North Carolina. I think that was like one of the big clubs for a long time. And, um, I mean, I hear, I hear some weird, like Husker Du, uh, um, stuff that Bob Mould would do, and I hear all those band, all those '80s indie bands getting filtered into this, and just being able to distill it into this unique sound that is really not comparable to a lot of other bands in terms of being, I mean, there are a lot of bands that do angular math rock. Yeah. But sometimes they tend to be so technical and proficient. Yeah. It loses the feel. And there's still some like, it almost becomes like indie prog. Yeah. And there's like a little bit, there's enough, I want to say sloppiness Mm -hmm. because that's not the right word, but there's a looseness here to some of it that it maintains a a more workmanlike approach as opposed to a dude playing a seven string guitar and in you know every string is tuned to e and he's yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's it's a crazy record i mean i i i, I probably listen to this at least 10 times and I'm still like utterly confused as to what's happening. Cause like I, you know, I can pick out a lot of times 
you know, you, you and I, we've heard yeah. the same chord progressions, right? You know, I don't know that there is a chord progression on this entire album that is in any way standard that uses a one, five, four or, or any sort of like standard, you know, yeah. there's so much weirdness happening. I would imagine they didn't finger a st- single bar chord <laughs> on this entire record. And it is all just crazy, weird, self-created fingerings and, and, and form chord forms and, and probably tunings too. Cause it's, it's off the could, rails. It is, but I found, I found melody in it. Well, oh, yeah, they like find I melodies. Found, I found groove in it. I found like, I found all the things I'm looking for. Um, they're just masked at times. They're unexpected. Uh, my brain can put it together, but it's still, I think, like you said, even on repeated listens, you're just, uh, it's done in a way that makes it difficult to even start to not only the first time not be able to predict it, but even the 10th time, the 20th time, your brain is still trying to uh, learn what's going on because mm-hmm. you can't follow, you know, the years of patterns that you come to expect in, you know, pop and rock music. So, yeah. Well, I think like, I was I was looking through the songs like action is vibe is an example where I kind of felt like, OK, this is I, I understand what's going on. And then they get to this section where they ramp up the volume and you would go you would in a normal setting that would be sort of like this sort of four four just rock out. But yeah. they throw in all of these weird like the, they, they cut off the, the parts early and the accents are in weird places and I'm just like, I couldn't imagine. I, I and I imagine they have to work on that because everybody's got to be aligned because there's it's like very precise where they're hitting. Yeah, yeah. But they're such they're they're just slightly off in terms of where they are. You have to practice that. You said you did. I don't know if like they're all just on the same wavelength. I I know that there are bands that are like that where they're just they play it once and they get it. Um, And it is much easier to in in my experience to create something weird rather than to learn something weird. Mm. Because once you wire your brain to play it that way, it just sort of becomes muscle memory. Whereas if you're trying to learn somebody else's weird thing it can kind of be hard to get into that same headspace that they were in when they created it. So I can understand that. Action versus vibe. I, uh, even with a song like that, I started to pick up on what is, you know, what is the core of that song? What is that vocal doing? What is that melody about? What, what is that reference? Potentially where is that coming from? And that's a song where I, I started to circle on like, Oh, well maybe this is like, 
a really messed up car song. <laughs> like, wow. Like at the core, if you just played that on one guitar and a vocal, like it's a Rick Ocasek kind of melody um, that has, you know, just been, you know, mixed up, thrown in a blender <laughs> and chaotic and punky and weird. Um, so I started to get to le- levels of like, like melodically trying to understand like vocally and like, where are they coming from sort of at the core of this stuff, which takes some time because there's, you know, the guitars on top that are really the, and you know, mostly the star of the show. Um, I also heard a lot of reference, you know, that, that to cursive here, that thinking that's, probably where they got some of their more angular guitar stuff from Mm -hmm. um is a band like this especially a lot of the lead work yeah i heard i yeah i heard a lot of that a lot of that late 90s early 2000s indie um Mm -hmm. where you would take a you'd have a really like sort of solid rhythm section but then the guitar player could kind of dance around the E string and, and do some really interesting runs and stuff that would, were not always in time with the yep. rest of the band. And even the guitar tones, like they're very uh, string heavy guitar tones. Like you don't hear a lot of amp, you hear more string. And when, so when they play those high notes, it gets real, I don't know, it just has this, um, you know, loud, this kind of heavy mid sound to it that just gives them almost like a metallic kind of vibe to it that it also reminded me of cursive. Um, but I could also hear on like Gemini Cusp, maybe some of the Dinosaur Jr. influence, like when they start that riff off, um, I could hear, you know, that played style, you know, in the hands of Jay Mass as being, you know, pretty comfortable as a Dinosaur Jr. song. Um, so I'm totally on board with, with you too on the, they seem to be maybe at their core, like referencing eighties alternative, but just through a really inventive, you know, approach and presentation with the guitars. What didn't work for you on the record? At times I didn't love the drums all the time. I think there's, you know, a lot of material there. They're, they're good. Uh, it didn't help. I think when I reviewed the record, I was listening to it on, on an earphone or, you know, earbuds and it even just, it sounded smaller. Like you had mentioned, like they, they just kind of get lost and they sound a little not up to the quality of the guitar playing. Mm-hmm. Not terrible, but I, I think for a band like this, like, I'm always wanting the drums to be just really sharp and as amazing as the guitars. And sometimes they're not. Um, And I think it also matches some of the material that's maybe not as strong. So it's not like Sure Shot, which is a little bit more straightforward in the delivery. And it relies more on the drums isn't as interesting to me um or a song like shiska which is again more drum focused but as it plays out it sounds a bit amateurish 
like it doesn't have that level of interest or sophistication to me yeah it um that reminded me of that had like a in some respects like a joy division vibe to it especially with the drums like they were so minimal and dry Mm -hmm. that it reminded me of of joy division yeah so but I agree with couple, you. Uh, yeah, the drums are not. Couple here, and yeah, there's a couple spots where the drums. You're like, oh, maybe then this drummer could be better. It's not terrible. I mean, there's some of that records we reviewed where you're like, okay, this drummer's killing me, uh, and killing the record. It's not like that. It's just uh, I think the guitar right. playing is just so next level that I want the drums to always be there too. Yeah, I get that, and you know, I a beat it with um their to the record we talked about in prism that came out in 2009 and i think this just the overall sound of that record made me realize why i struggled when i went back initially to this band mm. which was the 2009 record which was produced by brian polson um who did a bunch of like jayhawks records and stuff and he it's a much fuller sounding band the drums sound big so when they are doing these really cool uh guitar riffs and and things that are supported by the the rhythm section in a much more full way and i think that's why that record worked better for me you know years ago when i went back and first checked out this band i didn't stick with them because I, I was like I, I don't get what this going on here um realizing that now that you know with all the records we've listened to and the various uh influences that i can hear in this band i can pick up a little bit more on what's going on and i understand a little bit better but i don't know if it's the same drummer or not uh, for that record I need to check, but I don't think it, 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 let's see, let me see here. I don't know. It doesn't say, but it even sounded like it might've been the, the newer drummer yeah. um, or the, the new drummer at that time, because it was just, it just sounded better. Yep. So. Yeah. And this kind of music, I, I don't know. I've gotten used to things are uh in this like post post punk kind of art rock usually have a really great drummer i don't know so right i'm i'm a bit expecting that uh and he's the it it's okay maybe it's just the production too or just the performance or for this particular record um it's uh it's just not extraordinary yeah, which, like you mentioned, in a lot of cases, it is the drummer that sort of like secretly, you know, propels the band. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of surprising that this works as well as it does, because <laughs> I think in the past when we've we've said records that are a bit more adventurous, if you don't have a drummer that's amazing, it can quickly become thin and fall apart. But um, I think to your earlier point, these they seem to really be in tune with each other. So it kind of makes it all up, even out and work. Yeah. 
Now, this came out in 1993. Uh, it was obviously in no way, shape, or form a radio album. I, I know this was probably a college radio record. Um, probably got played on. I mean, to be honest, WFAL would have had a hard time slotting this in. Because even WFAL, which was playing alternative music at the time, was still playing sort of like radio alternative as well as college alternative. This yeah. probably would have gone to like the more specialty underground indie show as opposed to just a regular rotation back well, at that time. That's, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. Well, because this is <laughs> too weird for, for mainstream or for, wait, so WFAO was like the weirder of the two. No, no. BGU was the one that had like the world music stage, world music uh, programs. And WFAO was the more mainstream of the two stations. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. Because it, it played like Alice in Chains and, and Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, okay. Whereas WBGU like did not play any of that stuff. They were less rock centric, right? Yes. Okay. Right. And, but and still, you're, you're talking about putting this on like in the context of a college, college radio station. You're still in the uh, yeah the the late night really strange show. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. At least for at least for I mean now. Not every school had two radio stations. So that was a unique situation. And now they don't yeah. have two yeah. radio stations. So um, that's that's part of the. But even uh, if you if you imagine, I mean, just as a. To paint a picture, like imagine your college radio station, regardless, like this is which usually plays weird music. This is still going to be, you know, a tough sell slot. Yeah. Uh, so. Were the album better EP, decent single? Where do you land, Jay? I landed at a worthy album. I really only have two songs on here that I don't love, but this is only a 41 minute listen. I mean, not, not a long record for, which is good. I mean, the amount of information you're taking in when you're listening to this is, uh, is a lot. So, keeping it they were smart to keep it short um we're on the shorter end and i'm still deconstructing it i'm still my brain is still processing it yeah but uh again i i love the not able be not being able to always predict what's going to happen uh i love the spirit and sort of the energy of the record i think it sounds real um and they don't sound like you said, you know, they don't really sound like anybody else. We've mentioned other bands. You can hear here things are there here and there, but really they've hit on something that is very unique to them. And mm -hmm. they were able to do it for, you know, more than one record, which is pretty extraordinary too. So, um, and, and I think it's, it's probably, you know, a bit influential, you know, if you like some of the stuff we talked about in the later nineties, it gets more angular, maybe even some of the, emo-ish stuff the post-hardcore stuff I, I it would you know it's not hard to imagine this band was um influential to, in some degree so yeah i think it's a worthy record yeah actually uh sadie uh i don't know how to say her last name depuis of speedy ortiz mm -hmm. she's a huge fan of this band and actually interviewed 
um, Ash Bowie and Steve Popson um, in when was that? Twenty uh, twenty last year um, when uh, they reissued, I guess the, uh, the stuff on vinyl. Um, she did an interview with for Talkhouse, and um, they said. Uh, their quote was, we were just a band, one of a thousand really good bands that played shows. We were stoked that people actually liked listening to what we did. It still is shocking to me 30 years later, the reissue. I have no idea if it's 40-year-old people, 50-year-old people restocking this stuff, or if there are 18-year-old people out there buying it. I'd be shocked if it's the latter, but I just don't know. Um, I could imagine, you know, I think this is something that... I, a, a kid who's into indie rock now yeah, could stumble into this and it's completely fresh and new to them. Yeah. I could, who knows if this would ever happen, but this is so counter to like, you know, as pop music evolves it, we continue to kind of extract information from it. It gets simpler and simpler. So like, I could see this being very like mind blowing for, like you said, a kid that's in indie rock, maybe like a little bit into 90s stuff and like into guitar, weird guitar stuff to go and listen to this would be, I, I they could, you know, could be their new favorite record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has that weird appeal of like, you know, it's so out there and different, um, but yet has enough familiar about it uh, to still make sense. Yeah, like um, the lead singer of Cloud Nothings which is a fairly like successful indie yeah. rock band around now uh, is a fan of the record. So like, imagine if you're into that band and you're like yeah. 17 and he says, yeah, I'm really into Polvo and you go with Spotify and check them out. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that would be a mind blowing thing for me if I was that age and, and hearing this band be like, what is going on? So I agree with you. I think this is a worthy record. I think you have to digest this as a record. I don't, I, there's no, and it actually works out really well with the way that they tracked it, or not tracked it, but um, uh, did the track listing. Each side of a vinyl ends with a seven minute song. If you look at it. Yep, yep. So I think that's, it, it, that's a, it's a nice way to sort of build towards these epics on each side of the record. So yep. that's two worthy albums for me and Jay. I had no idea how this was going to go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either. Because we have heard other bands that have tried to do this and just been like, yeah. it doesn't work. Yep. But this band, they got something that uh, people should check out if they haven't. They should go to, I mean, I don't think this band is active anymore. The last thing they did was the 2013 album uh siberia for merge but uh you never know there might be uh get them out there again after the covid maybe get them out on the get it out do a show or something like that play a reunion uh show or something but uh want to thank our original suggestor that was uh neil fultz who suggested this record. If you want to suggest a record like Neil did, you just got to go to digmeoutpodcast.com, go to the suggest an album section, put in your suggestion, and it will end up 
in a poll just like this. It's magic how that happens. Pure magic. And uh, you can also, by joining as a Patreon to vote on this, you get access to uh, all kinds of stuff like the video. You get to see the video, get to see our pretty faces for each episode. Whether it's uh, just me and Jay talking or whether it's a round table with a whole bunch of people talking. Oh, not at the same time. We we take turns. But uh, you also go to uh, Patreon to get a box newsletter every week. It's delivered via email to your inbox, but it's also at Patreon. Two new reviews every week of new releases, albums, music is uh, is the usually albums, maybe EPs, occasionally, rarely singles. Got to got to get a good sample size. Singles are hard, uh, but music, movies, books, even TV shows. If it's you know what's coming up, Jay. What the Pam and Tommy show on on Hulu? I can't wrap my head around that. Have you seen the the trailer drop today? No. Um, Seth Rogen plays the guy who finds the tape, and Nick Offerman plays the guy who actually turns it into a porn tape. This is, a, and they both have incredible mullets. This is a series. It's gonna be a series on Hulu. So it's not mullets. just like. A, didn't this happen in like what in the late nineties? Yeah, but they were you know they were like metalhead dudes, so they had mullets. For, not, yeah, just watch the just watch. Okay. So what I'm saying is that's yeah. gonna that's gonna qualify for uh, for box review. Do a little TV show. We need more of those. And you know what? What network is this on? Hulu. Okay. Alanis Morissette. Her yeah. life is being turned into a a series. That was another head scratcher. Because it's it's gonna be a sitcom, right? Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought I saw. It's gonna you know there's gonna be like a laugh track, like Alanis right. will walk in I'm the like, door and he'd be like, ah, they'll be laughing, and they'll end with a they'll end with like a a a, a moment of reflection on what <laughs> happened during the episode. You know, like a good family uh, comedy from uh, from ABC in the 1990s, and. Uh, so anyway, that's that's what's available via the box. You get the reviews of 80s and 90s relevant uh, movies, books, and music. And then uh, last but not least, Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us some some kind words, uh, five stars, uh, a bottle of champagne, whatever they allow you to do over there. Uh, make it happen at Apple Podcasts. For Jam Tim, we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. <laughs>